Thanks for joining us for Open Bible Online today. Open Bible Baptist Church has been in South Jersey for over 60 years. We love this community and we want to be a help to you. In order to help us help you in the best way possible, would you do us a favor? Please fill out the digital connection card posted in this link. Here you could post prayer requests and also ask any questions you may have about Open Bible. If you'd like to give today, you could give online in less than two minutes. Visit openbiblenj.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service. Take your Bibles and turn to Colossians chapter 1 this morning. Colossians chapter, no, I'm sorry, Colossians chapter number 3. Colossians chapter 3, we're going to look at verse 1. And I want you to look at the screen for a second. 83%. Say it with me. 83%. Well, let's try that again. Say it with me. 83%. So what does that represent? You notice there's a lot of people in that, in that slide, right? 83%. I'm not going to ask you to guess because I'm not sure what you might say. You know? Say it again? Unsaved. Unsaved. Wow. You said that, Rich. That's, good. That's a good guess, Rich. That's good. So 83%, that's the number of Americans that claim to be Christians. <laughs> Go ahead and say it. Wow. 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 83%. See that? Oh, we got a lot of folks coming in. Just keep coming in. 83%. The number... <laughs> now pay attention. I didn't say the number of people that are Baptist that claim to be Christian. We would have a hard time with that, too. You missed that, didn't you? Huh? 83% of Americans claim to be Christian. Hmm. If I were to break that down uh, and give you maybe more specifically, it goes like this. 53% are Protestant. I'm talking about the 83%. 53% are Protestant. Uh, 22% Catholic. I'm surprised at that number. You know, I, I thought really it would be closer. You know, but 53% of the 83% are Protestant, and then 33% of the 83%, uh, 22%, I'm sorry, of the 82% are, are Catholic. 53% Protestant, 22% Catholic. Wow. And then 8% other. And I have no idea what other is. You know, uh, I'm not sure. Now, on the world stage, when you take it globally, right, globally, that all changes. And globally, only 33% of the world population claims to be Christian. You know what the world population is today? Somebody say it, a lot. Right? Billions, over 7 billion. So, only 33% uh, of the 7 billion claim to be Christian. 52% uh, non-Christian, you know? And that leaves 12% with, or 15%, right? Uh, who knows, right? The number, the number that surprises me is the 83%. The 83% of Americans who claim to be Christian. Now listen to this. If that's true, then we better do a better job at educating Americans on what it means to be Christian. 
right? I mean, if 83% of Americans claim to be Christian, then we better do a better job <laughs> at educating them as to what a Christian really is. Because when I look out into society today, and when I look in the world I live in, you know, uh, our nation does not reflect Christian values. Right? And so that's alarming. Now, I want to build, I want to build the foundation here this morning, and then for several weeks, moving forward, several weeks build upon that foundation. And the foundation is simply like this. I'm going to ask and then I'm going to answer this question. What is a Christian? So what does Christianity look like today? Christianity today. What does it look like? Right? Think about that for a second. What, what is a Christian? And then since America claims to be 83% Christian, what does Christianity look like? What does it look like to you? And so over, over the weeks to come, we're going to look at this. We're going to look at Christianity in the workplace, Christianity in the community, Christianity in the church, <laughs> right? Christianity, you know, affecting the world. So it's going to take us several weeks to go through that. Are you with me? Yeah. Sound like fun? Yeah. Good. I'm glad. Uh, so what does... Christianity look like to what is a Christian? And I know if I were to ask you, you would give me uh, some terrific answers, you know. However, let me, just, let me just take from the Scripture and summarize what the Bible teaches us, and we're going to get into this text in just a moment, what the Bible teaches us about Christianity and what it means to be, what does Christianity look like from the Bible? Are you with me? Huh? All right, look at this definition. Uh, it's someone, a Christian is someone who lives out their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You may want to take out your phone and take a picture of that. It might be easier to snapshot it because it's going to change in a moment. But you ought, you ought, you ought to get that. And as we move forward in this series, I, I'm, going to, I'm probably going to come back to that often because a Christian isn't somebody who has been labeled. Hello? It's not, look here, look here. It's not a, it's not a check mark. Right? I remember years ago going to hospitals, ERs, and being injured from playing sports. And you got to fill out that little, you know, welcome note, name, and, you know, and all that. And then, what religion are you? And it would have, you know, Christian and Jewish. And I just check off Christian. Back then, I was a Roman Catholic, I was a Christian. Look here. Go ahead, get out, get out your pen. Go ahead. Go ahead, do it with me. But that's not what the Bible teaches. No, the Bible teaches a Christian is someone who lives out their faith. Doesn't just possess it, but they practice it. Come on now. Huh? It's, it's a person, it's, 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 it's a Christian is someone who lives out their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're practicing our beliefs. Are you with me? If we were to broaden that scope, we would say it this way. A Christian is someone who has been born again. They have a point of conversion. However, it doesn't stop there. Go ahead and flip it. A Christian is someone who does not stop at the point of conversion. Go ahead, take out your phone again. Take a snapshot of that. I don't want you to lose focus of this. A Christian is someone who lives out their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's someone who has a point of conversion but doesn't stop there. 
How many know what I'm talking about? Got saved, but that's about it. Got saved, but really nothing has happened since. Years ago, uh, some of the old-time timers would say this, that boy better check his oil. Did you ever hear that terminology? Huh? They claim to be a Christian, but they're not living like one. That boy better check his oil. Why? Because oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. And when you get saved, you get the Holy Spirit. And when you get the Holy Spirit, it's visible. You got the Holy Spirit. And so if you've been saved and you're still the same way you've always been, uh, you better check your oil. Say amen right there. Amen. Yeah. Amen. And, and so I think this. I think a Christian is, is that person who has the faith but then practices their faith. Right? They, they live it out. Uh, the characteristics of the Lord Jesus Christ are visible in their lives. And their values and priorities have been influenced by Scripture. Did y'all get that? So what is a Christian? What does Christianity look like? It's an individual who has had a point of conversion. But it didn't stop there. They are now allowing Scripture to influence their values and their priorities. And as a result, the characteristics of the Lord Jesus Christ are visible in their lives. I began praying a prayer this past week. I shared it on Wednesday evening. Here was the prayer. Lord, help me to live in such a way that others know I belong to you. I mean, do we want to just play church? Or do we want to be the church? Do we want to just be checkmark Christianity or real, live, visible, Christ-like individuals? Lord, help me to live in such a way that others know I belong to you. I think that's what Christianity looks like. I think that's what it means to be a Christian. And you know, when you, when you look at America... When you look at all that's going on in our world, as I evaluate our nation, I don't see the majority following that standard, do you? 83% of Americans claim to be Christian? And if Christianity from the Bible is what we've just described it to be, <laughs> don't you feel our nation is lacking? And maybe confused? And uneducated? Uninformed? As to what it means. But can I share with you where the real deficit is, Tyler? You know where the real deficit is? It's not in our nation. It's in our pews. It's in our churches. Because we're the ones that should be setting the standard. The Apostle Paul said, I taught this on Wednesday evening. He said this, he said, follow me and mark them who don't. Right? Colossians, we looked at it on Wednesday evening, Philippians chapter number 3, verse number 7. Walk as I walk. I've set the, the standard, the example, and mark them who don't, because they're enemies of the cross. And so really, we can't get too down on society, can we? We can't be too upset with our nation. Why? Well, because we're really sending out faulty messages. Hello? The born-again body of Christ who's supposed to be living a certain way, we're dropping the ball. 
You know, we go to work and, and we're laughing at things we shouldn't be laughing at. Mm. Hello? We're working toward things or working for things that we really shouldn't, it shouldn't really matter. And we're marching to their drumbeat instead of establishing, hello, church. I know it was fun for a little bit and it just got serious, didn't it? But it doesn't appear to me that America as a nation reflects the values and priorities of Scripture. And I think you'd agree. I think you'd agree. Therefore, those of us who are genuine, genuine Christians, we need to really work at being salt and light. Don't you agree? Right? Can I take you back to the very beginning when Jesus gathers his team together and he shares with them as to what they need to be before they can do what he's called them to do. He said, you need to be this, and he lists what we would call the Beatitudes, right? Matthew 5. And then he says this. He said, now, if you, if you, if you just work on that and become that, then you'll be able to go out and be the salt of the earth, the light of the world, right? And so we need to make a positive impact on our world. We need to be difference makers. However, before we can make a difference there, a difference needs to be made here. Yay? Amen. So in other words, you know, a Christian needs to be a Christian in the workplace. We need to practice our faith where we work. And I'm going I'm I'm to share with you next week, maybe not next week, the week after. What, what's that look like? Does that mean that I walk into work every Monday morning, Bible tucked under my arm, stern look, and then preach everything my pastor just preached the day before? God forbid, no. You'd, you'd be fired. Right? No, it just means you're living in such a way where others know you belong to him. Right? I mean, you, you set the, you know, when, when, I worked as a sec, when I worked in the secular world and I would go into the work office because I was in the truck most of the time, but when I went into the work office and would go amongst the, my, 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 my workmates, you know, and I would walk in, they would, oh, oh, shh, shh, shh. And I'd say, hey, these aren't virgin ears, but thank you for respecting me. I've heard it all before. I wasn't born a prude. I wasn't born in heaven. My mother and father were sinners. Why do you think I'm like I am? <laughs> However, I lived in such a way where I, I wouldn't tell those jokes. I wouldn't comment on those pictures. I wouldn't. Hello? And you live it long enough, people get, they get the impression. We'll talk about that when we get to the Christian in the workplace. We've got to be Christians in the workplace and in the community. Don't you agree? Your neighborhood and mine, we, we, got to, we got to make a difference there. And at school, whether it's, you know, high school or college or grad school, you know. <laughs> but you know what really begins? It really begins at home, in here. We got to be Christians here. Help me here. Practicing my faith, caring about one another. Right? And really showing, not just saying it, but showing it. And eliminating the judgmental, critical spirit that sometimes sets into our hearts. Hello? And I'm not talking about each other. I'm talking about churches down the street. Hey, look here. Just because they don't have the same stripe or preach from the same Bible doesn't give us any reason to criticize them. 
or to belittle them. Hey, if people are being saved, the gospel's being preached, praise God, man. God didn't leave heaven to leave us as the judge and jury. I'm trying to get this thing figured out, right? Yeah. And so, and so that's what I think it looks like. So how do we begin? Where do we begin? The only thing I can say to that is this, you begin in the beginning, right? You start where you're supposed to start. And when it comes to Christianity, Christianity has, has a starting point. And I want to share that with you this morning. Look at our text of Scripture, Colossians chapter 1, look at verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 1, I'm sorry. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. He said this, set, not, set, set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him, don't go there yet, guys, in glory. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. We talked about that the other night in our Bible study. And we're going to go on and read more in just, just a moment. So where does it begin? Where does it begin? Look at, look at the screen. Verse number one, he said this, Paul speaking to the church in Colossae. He says, if ye then be risen with Christ. You know, we believe that is that's a reference to salvation. Salvation. So, go ahead. The Christian life begins with salvation. Go ahead, guys. It begins with salvation, right? Uh, John said this, John 1, verse 12, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Are you with me? Uh, and so, in other words, in other words, here's, here's what we believe. We believe the whole Christian life begins with the process of salvation. Correct? You heard me say this in the definition just a little bit ago, to where you have a point of conversion. You know what that means? What does that mean? Somebody tell me, what, what, what does a point of conversion kind of imply? You've been saved. Right? Do you have a point of conversion? How many of you remember when, 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 when you got converted? Raise your hand nice and high. Wave it up like you're really happy about it. Yeah. I remember, I like this song. You ever sing this song? I remember the day when heaven came down. Did you ever sing that song? <laughs> yeah. Hey, look, it's amazing. But November 1979, that was a long time ago, I got saved. <laughs> Somebody said, yeah. yeah, that's a long time ago. But that was, my, that was my point of conversion. I like to say it this way, pay attention right here. That's when I got in. November 1979. Do you remember when you got in? Huh? When did you get in? What was your, your point of conversion? See, uh, Christianity begins with a point of conversion. It doesn't begin when you decide to pull up onto the parking lot of a so-called Christian church. Just because you walk into the doors of a great church body like this doesn't make you a Christian. Just because you walk like this doesn't make you a duck. 
Although, Brother Craig's got an interesting duck story to tell, right? I mean, you can bark at your wife all you want. doesn't make you a dog. She might treat you like one. Hello? And just going to a church doesn't make you a Christian. You've got to have a point of conversion. Ah, oh, man. There's some people sitting here smiling. I don't think they're saved. Because when I talk about the point of conversion, I get, I get smiley. You know what? I remember the day when heaven came down. I remember when I got saved. I know where I was. I know what I did. I got saved over the telephone. Got baptized over the telephone the next week. Now, that's not possible, I don't think. But I got saved. I remember that day. You know, that's a, that was a wonderful time in my life, the point of conversion. And here's the thing. If you, trace, if you trace Christianity back into the New Testament, you'll notice there were points of conversion to where it began. Uh, the disciples, you know, of Christ had a point of conversion, right? I mean, there was a time when they interacted with the Lord Jesus Christ. You read through it, you know, and you, you, you read the story about, you know, the sons of thunder, you know, and then Matthew, and I mean, it's just exciting, and Nathaniel, and Andrew, and points of conversion. You remember? Points of conversion. But it didn't stop there for that group. Because what you, what you begin to read is how they followed the request of the Lord Jesus Christ. And let me make, make, make a connection here. They had that point of contact and conversion. And then Jesus said this. He said, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. If you follow me, and he takes them right then and there, he takes them up into a mound. And he begins to teach them some valuable truth, right? The Beatitudes. Chapter number 5. Chapter number 6, he's putting it into practice. Chapter number 7, they're out doing ministry with them. Right? Did you ever read it? Matthew 5, 6, and 7? It's a tremendous story. So, uh, pay attention here. The disciples have a point of conversion. It doesn't stop there. Now they're, they're, they're growing their faith and they're practicing their faith. And the result of it, here's the result of what I just explained. Acts chapter 11, verse 26. Would you flip the screen? And the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. Did you, did, did you see what I just put together for you? These men in the Bible who came from all walks of life like you and I, we would say auto mechanics and, and electricians and plumbers and school teachers and housewives and homeless people. I mean, it had a point of conversion, but didn't just sit on it. I mean, to tell you, they, they just kept growing and moving and practicing their faith so much so that what Jesus has done in their lives became visible, and others called them Christ-like, called them Christians. Huh? They didn't go down into Antioch and, and, and were called Christians just because they buddied-buddied with Jesus. No, it's because they looked like Jesus, acted like Jesus spoke like Jesus. Jesus made a difference in their lives, and it was visible. Christianity, it begins with salvation. And we would really, as a church, do a disservice if we tried to put the cart before the horse. 
That's why you, you, you come to a place like this here and you say, well, I want, Ty, I'd like to join this church. You know what we do? We interview you. And you know the very first question in the interview? Outside, outside of getting your name and... So tell me, tell me about when, when you got saved. Why? Because what good would it be to be a member of Open Bible Baptist Church if you're not saved? Right? I mean, you're just sitting here and you're lost and everything I say really just bounces all over the place. And you're seeing other people, you know, go through trials and difficulties but come out the other side just glowing and you're not. Why? Because you don't have that contact with the Father. So you've got to have a point of conversion. You've got to be saved. Right? But look at the next, look at the next verse. Go okay, flip it, guys. Colossians chapter number 3. Look, look it says, uh, if ye then be risen with Christ, look, look at the next statement. Seek those things which, what? Are above. Look at verse 2. Set your affection on things above, not on the earth. Did you see that? Look at verse 3. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with God in Christ. And so, it begins, it begins with salvation, right? If ye then be risen with Christ. But I, I believe those verses that we've just read are reference to surrender. Surrender. You with me? You know, you know what the Christian life is? Outside of salvation, which is surrendering your life to the Lord to be saved, it's a series of smaller surrenders. Christian life. Smaller surrenders. I don't think I need to take a lot of time to talk to you about surrender, right? Do you ever see people in church when, when we're singing and all of a sudden their hands go up? Right? For the most part, I hope they know what they're doing. Because what you're then saying is, nothing between you and I. Whatever you want is yours. Come on now. Go ahead and raise them up. Careful, careful. Because what you're saying is, go ahead, try me. I'm yours. I worship you, Almighty God. There's none like thee. And whatever you want from me, I'm yours. Huh? That old-fashioned hymn we used to sing, I surrender all, all to Jesus. I surrender all to him. I freely give. Now, let's just be honest about that. Let's be honest about that. When we come to Christ, I'm not sure if any of us have said, all to Jesus, I surrender. Huh? After I got saved, I didn't tithe. He wasn't getting my wallet. No, I didn't say, oh, to Jesus, I surrender. However, you can't have my money. Huh? No. Uh, I still, I won't get too deep into that, but I still, I still didn't surrender in sanctification. Huh? Would I surprise you if I told you that when I got saved, I had an earring in my ear? Would you leave the church if I told you that? But I did. I did. No, I won't ask you what you just said. But I did. Huh? You may not have had an ear, earring in your ear. You may have had one in your nose. It may have been invisible. But everybody had something before they came to Christ. Huh? Look here. When I went to church, I don't think I took it out. I didn't think it was a big deal. You know? So I went, I had earring, and you know what? I used to sit right behind you, Sandy Pine, not in this church, but a different one. I never remember Preacher Higgins, Pastor Higgins, ever saying, you got an earring in, dude. You better take that out. You can't come back here next Sunday. He never said that one time. 
So guess what? I went back next Sunday. Well, I know some of you are getting so uptight right now. My pastor had an earring. What, my kids are going to be, really? Really? Man, you need to get real. You need to, you need to get right with God, man. You need to understand what it's all about. You're, you're missing the whole thing. And that's why our kids are running off, because we've told them lies. Hey, Christianity is all about what Jesus did for us and does for us, not what we did for him or projected ourselves to be. No, sinners saved by grace. He reached way down. Yeah, surrenders. You know what I remember? I remember surrendering often, often. I don't want to really mess you up today because you'll never come back to church. But you'd be surprised at some of the things I laid at the altar. I didn't get saved until I was 19 and a half, grew up in the city of Philadelphia. You do the homework. You put two and two together. My parents didn't get saved until I was later in life. Uh, they were, I was 16, I think my mom got saved, right? Maybe, maybe 15. Huh? So when I got saved, started coming to church and hearing preaching and got serious about my Christianity, man, I was constantly down there. And there would be times I'm trying to leave stuff, and, and, and the preacher's saying, don't leave that there. <laughs> no, give that to God. Surrenders. Sur are you with me? Surrenders. And as we learn of him, we begin to trust him more and more, and the work of sanctification begins in our heart to where we just, hello? Are you with me? Where does it stop? I'm going to tell you something. Look here. Listen to this carefully. God did so good with what I gave him that when he would ask me for something else, I had no problem giving it to him. Hello? Yeah. It didn't matter anymore. You know, until I came to the place where he had more of me than I had of me. And that's where some of us need to get to. Some of you good old church folk. Some of you folk been around for a long period of time. Yeah, you need a little revival in your heart. You come to a place where, you know what, my Christianity needs to become real. Did you ever hear of imposter syndrome? That's a real thing. Did you know that? It, it really is. If you talk to a psychiatrist, my psychiatrist tells me all the time. <laughs> it's a real thing. Imposter syndrome, where people know they're not being real. Huh? They live a facade. First John chapter number, you read First John chapter number one. They told a lie. They believed the lie. They lived the lie. I'm a good Christian. You tell that long enough, you're going to believe it. But you're not. Why? Because you're not doing anything the Bible says a Christian ought to do. Whew, man, I know what you're saying. I ain't coming back for the rest of this series. It's messing me up, man. I felt pretty good about myself before I came in this morning. Amen. Christianity today. You with me? So when our Christianity becomes visible, people begin to see the difference Christ has made in us. And that's when they say to us, why are you smiling? Why are you so happy? Your whole world's crumbling. Why are you so? Why? Because they're seeing the difference that Christ has made in us. Isn't that what we want? Huh? Right? 
Amen? And that's more than just sitting in these pews, man. That's wherever we go. We take our Christianity with us. Yay? Amen. And then, then you turn to verse number four. He said this. He said, when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Did you see that? Look at that again. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. So, where does it begin, class? Salvation. Salvation. And then it continues with surrender. And then, when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. So, Christianity, pay attention right here, has a starting point, and, 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 and it has an end point. And in between is an unbelievable journey. How's your journey going? Huh? It's a journey. And ups and downs and wildernesses and promised lands. And Moses said the promised land is a land filled with hills and valleys. It's life, right? It's life. But that verse teaches us this. A Christian who is living out their faith has staying power. Staying power. Go ahead, guys. Staying power. Uh, business owners, who owns it? Bob has a business. Steve, you have a business. They know what staying power is. You don't start a business if you can't stay more than two weeks in that business. You got to have some money put aside. You got staying power. Because you know the first couple of months, maybe first year, it's going to be tough. You don't open up a business and hope you're going to have a great month because if not, you got to close down the second month. No, you got staying power. When you have a born-again believer, genuine faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and is surrendering their life to the Lord Jesus Christ on a regular basis, that individual has staying power. Look around the room. There's some folks here with staying power. Sam Booker, staying power. Dave Costin, staying power. Norm Robinson, staying power. Bob Smith, staying power. You want to go females? Floss Shower, staying power. Sandy Pine, Shell Shields, Pat Nickturn, staying power. What does that mean? They've stayed through the course of their journey. You don't think there's been time. Bob Smith, be honest now. You don't have to answer this. But you know there's been times during your journey here when you said, man, you know what? I don't know if I can stay any longer. You think he's been happy all? How many years have been here? A lot. 50-some years. Has every day an open Bible, every day of your Christian life been just the last couple of weeks of his life in the hospital for more than seven days? You know where he, you know, guess where he was the first Sunday after he got out? Right here. Why? Staying power. You young people today, all it's got to do, oh, it's, I think it might rain. The wind is blowing. My hair might get mussed up. He that observes the wind will never sow the seed. Staying power. That's what a genuine, living out their faith, Christian is all about. Staying power. <laughs> Amen? Oh, yeah. And look here. That's, a not, that's not an overnight event. Staying power. 
I admire longevity. I really do. I don't forget one time I went down to, I don't know if these names mean anything to you, but I went down to Gospel Light Baptist Church. Dr. Bobby Robinson, Robertson was pastor. And went down for a bus conference years ago. Brother Bobby, just a good old boy. Anybody ever know Bobby Robertson? Just, just a great preacher, just a good old boy, a great guy. <laughs> and Brother Bobby, I mean, just get up, just talk to his church, a real southern accent. Had a great church, man, Gospel Light, several thousand people. Great church out in the middle of nowhere, Walkertown, uh, North Carolina. Uh, and, but he would say this. He'd, he'd look up on the sides of his church there. He had the bus attendances, you know. And I mean to tell you, you know, one bus had, you know, like 120 on it. Next bus had, you know, they're making two trips back and forth. He'd say, he'd say something like this. Hey, Leroy, how many years you've been working on that bus down there in the center of so-and-so-and-so-and-so? And Leroy said, Brother Bobby, 38 years next Sunday. And I thought, I'm pastoring people that can't put 38 days together without... And here's a guy I've been on that bus. You ever been on a bus with a bunch of kids in North Carolina? Me neither. But I can imagine <laughs> in the heat of summer, I mean, look here, we have Bible. We had, we had in, in Florida, we have bus ministry. You know what it's like in Florida in June, July, August, and September? It's ungodly hot. Could you put, the, our bus is more than air conditioned? No. Our bus drivers and kids on that bus like you're in a, I mean, a can of sardines, man, and it smelled like one. <laughs> I admire longevity. Huh? Sister so-and-so, how long have you been teaching that first third-grade girl class? Forty years, Pastor. You mean to tell me you never wanted the fourth, fifth, and sixth grade? Uh-uh. You never wanted the teenagers? Uh-uh. You never wanted a ladies' class? Uh-uh. Why? I love the first, second, third grade girls. That's what God called me to do. Longevity. Come on, man. You've got to admire that. There are some folks in church where I come to them and say, Pastor, I just feel like the Lord wants me to do more. I'm teaching that boys' class. I like to have the teen class. I give them the teen class. Pastor, I think the Lord wants me to do more. I want to teach an adult. Give them an adult class. Pastor, I think the pastor, what do you want, my job? When are you going to get content and just stay in the bean field where God's called you? You haven't even been faithful in it. You're not even grooming it. <laughs> Amen. I'm having a good time. Look here. Beginning point, end point, but the journey. Look, look, look at the journey. Paul reminds us of the effort that must be made on our part. Look in verse 5. He says, mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth. You know what that word mortify means? You get the word mortician, funeral taker, funeral director, undertaker. You know what he's talking about? You, you need to put to death. You need to, huh? Your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, he gives that list. Verse 6, for which things the sake, for which things, uh, sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in the which he also uh, walked sometime when you, when you lived in them. But now, he says, you also have put off all these things, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Why not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds? See the work put into the journey? Huh? Doesn't just happen automatically. 
No, what he's saying is you can't allow room for the old nature to surface. Hmm? Can't allow room for it. You got, you got to just walk it back. You got to talk it down. You got to count to ten. I don't know what you need to do, but you can't allow that old nature to surface because it's there. Right? Just because you're saved, it's still there. It's still there. We need to continue to mortify the old nature. I said this on Sunday, uh, Wednesday night. Think about this, and I'm finished. It's important for us to be able to look at ourselves from the other side. Right? Think about this. How, how, do, how do the people working with you feel about working with you? How, how do the people, you know, that you're in the envi- your environment with, living in your home, how do they feel about you? Do they just tolerate you because they have to? No? I love them, but I don't like them. Well, you know what some of us say? Too bad. It's just the way I am. Really? Boy, that's a terrible attitude. That's a terrible attitude. Terrible attitude. You, know, you, you, you remember what the Lord said? The Lord said this to, to Samuel. Samuel's getting ready to anoint a king, right, James? And so he's down there at, at Jesse's house. He's got all his sons, man. Here comes, here comes the firstborn, Eliab. A big old dude, you know, probably looked like Dean. Six foot nine, you know, good looking guy, strapping guy. He didn't cut his finger with the saw, but he was, he was good, man. He was good. And, and Samuel said, man, alive, he's ready to get up and anoint him. And God said, whoa, whoa, slow down, young fella. That's in the Hebrew. He said, slow down, young fella. He said, I've not chosen him. No. He said, man looks on the outward appearance, but I look on the heart. And some of us had said this. See, pastor, don't you dare judge my outward appearance. God knows my heart. Mm, but the problem with that is this. The Lord was saying, man does look on the outward appearance, and all that man sees is what you allow him to see. That was not a verse of Scripture given so that you and I have license to go out and be or do or... No, 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 no. God looks on our hearts. He knows our hearts. You can't fool him with your appearance, but you can certainly fool people. But all they're going to see is your countenance. All they're going to see is how you dress this body. All they're going to see is your deportment. Say amen right there. And that really does matter. The Christian, the, 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 the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. Why? Because they lived out, they practiced their faith. And the difference that Christ made in them was very, very visible. When you and I subdue the flesh with all its desires, the Lord will give us staying power. So you know what society needs today? Society today needs a good dose of Christianity. The real thing, right? The real thing. Uh, that, 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 that kind that influences the values and the priority. The kind that we possess is what our society really needs. And that kind of Christianity needs to be lived out in the workplace and in our communities, in our schools, in our homes, in our church. In our church. Amen? But here's, here's, the, here's the truth, and I'm, I'm finished. The only way that you and I can make a difference in our society, and I said this a moment ago, is if we allow Christ to make a difference in us. And so, have you had a point of conversion? Has there been a time in your life where you've accepted Christ as your personal Savior? 
Are you sure you're safe? Are you positive? And if you'd say, yes, Pastor, I, I really do believe, well, then what is the next step the Lord's calling you to? Hmm? One of my all-time favorite, favorite, favorite illustrations, it's as old as the hills, is this. I got in back here in November 1979. That's when I got saved. And you know when I got saved, he took me just, just like I was. Just like I was, right? However, he didn't leave me like he found me. He's now making me. And it's a journey. I, I have no idea when I'm going to get out. I'm not sure when my expiration date is, and it doesn't matter. But I know this. When I got in, it hasn't stopped. This journey hasn't stopped. It's just, it's ongoing. And he's constantly showing me areas in my life where I need to make adjustment. You know? And after being saved for so long, boy, I tell you what, if you, be, if you just stay teachable, it's amazing what he'll teach you about yourself. And if you think this gets better, it doesn't. It gets worse. Because the, the closer you get to him, the worse you feel about yourself. That's why David said, I'll not be satisfied until I awake with thy likeness. I have to constantly keep myself in check. So many times, and I've learned this, I used to be bad at this, but so many times I'd say, you know what, I found this out, I'm going to go tell them. And now I just say, you know what, Lord, I'm not going to tell them unless you want me to make the timing right. And, and there's times I'm in, I'll be in Nathan's presence and I want to share it with him so bad. God said, no, it's just not time. Okay, I'm good with that. Who am I? I'm not his God. Lord, you want me to share? I'll share it. It's areas of growth where the Lord wants to get each of us to. Amen? Christianity today. We'll continue in a week or two. Hope you come back for it. Thanks again for watching us online today. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcast or Google Play Store. If you'd like to give today, you could give online at openbiblenj.org. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.